Hello, I'm Mercedes. And I'm Tash. And you're listening to episode 181 of Chat Disney. So this week on the Chat Disney podcast, we've promised you a very exciting topic. Last week, we were looking at our most overrated Disney songs, overrated Disney soundtracks, I should say, and underrated ones as well. And we had a lot of fun ranking the top 10 or the bottom 10 for each. So we thought we'd stick with this theme. And this week and next, we'll be looking at the most overrated and underrated Disney films. Very, very controversial topic for sure. We're really excited to get into it. This week, we're going to be kicking things off with the most overrated Disney films, just to really get that controversy running high. But before we head into all of that, let's have a quick look at what has been happening in the world of Disney this week. So first up, we have some news from Tokyo Disneyland. And Zippity Doodah has been removed from all loops, including the Tokyo Disneyland monorail station, to align with Disney's inclusivity initiative, which I think is a good step forward. And the resort has also announced major refurbishments for 2023. So do check closures before traveling. I'm hoping that we see what some of these refurbishments are going to be at the D23 exhibition next month. So excited for D23. It's been so long since we've had one. And sticking with some parks news, heading over to Walt Disney World, a lot's been happening this past week. There's a new Grogu Spirit jersey and also a new Grogu pumpkin plush for any Mandalorian Halloween fans out there. I'm sure there's lots of you. Really exciting. Tron has started testing with human Yes. Now, I'm lucky enough to have been on Tron before. It is, of course, the flagship ride in Tomorrowland and Shanghai Disney. But that doesn't mean that I'm not excited about this. I would love it if Tron could be open for my September, October trip this year. I'm not quite sure, but human tests is definitely a step in the right direction. And Disney Parks, this is really sad, actually. And this isn't just Walt Disney World. This is Disney Parks globally. Disney Parks have announced that their bath product brand, which is H2O, so if you've stayed at a Disney hotel or resort anywhere in the world, you'll be very recognized or you will recognize the H2O brand because that's all the shampoos and toiletries and the bathrooms are that this H2O brand. They're retiring it at the end of the year. Now, we have seen some changes recently, like they're not supplying the little minis in the rooms anymore. They're kind of bolting big bottles onto the wall so that guests can't take them home as souvenirs. So I don't know if this is part of a money-saving, cost-saving exercise like we've seen already, or perhaps a big, well-known brand is going to take over. I'd love to see Bath & Body Works, Mickey Products, and Disney Resorts. Who knows? But what we do know is that at the end of 2022, the H2O brand will be no more. So watch this space, I guess. And in more positive news, a brand new version of Magic Kingdom's Disney Enchantment, which is the big castle fireworks show, has debuted. And oh my goodness, this is overdue for sure. But I'm so excited that this is going to be there when I visit later in the month because it's September this week. So exciting. So to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Magic Kingdom and of Walt Disney World, there is a lovely introduction before Disney Enchantment and it's Roy and Walt 
being projected onto the castle, black and white, talking about the Florida project. And I'm like, I can't believe they've never done this before. But also the 50th anniversary, we've just had an official end date. It's a little bit late, but... I know I'm going to be, I cry at fireworks anyway. If I've got Roy and Walt projected in front of me, I'm going to be a hot mess. So I'm really excited for that. And I know that's one that Tash would definitely be excited about. And if you were planning a Walt Disney World trip anytime soon, you'll be pleased to know that crowds are finally falling. So because it is the beginning of the fall or autumn season, depending on which part of the world you're in, crowds are declining. And this is great news because as we saw in January, February, March of this year, low season at Walt Disney World isn't really a thing anymore because of the kind of pent up demand after the pandemic. But that seems to be tailing off now and crowds have gone down, which is great. And more news from Walt Disney World this week. This is really, really big and a really good step in the right direction. So now, when you are booking your ever frustrating park passes or park reservations for Walt Disney World in the My Disney Experience app, you no longer have to cancel and rebook a park reservation if you change your mind. So if you're planning on going to Epcot and then you think, actually, it looks really busy. I've had a look at the lines. I'd rather go to Animal Kingdom today. You don't have to cancel Epcot and then wait for Animal Kingdom once the Epcot one is cancelled. What you can do is simply modify the existing booking, which just takes one step out of the journey as a user. I work in tech, so things like this excite me greatly. It just makes our lives a little bit easier when you're wanting to change plans. So that is awesome. And final, final, final bit of news from Walt Disney World this week and actually all of the parks across the globe. It was, of course, Princess Week last week. And we spoke about this in the news a little bit last week. We saw some really amazing things all around the parks. The Cinderella Carriage Donut debuted at Walt Disney World. There was also the Moana Clone at Typhoon Lagoon. The Snow White Petite Cake was available in Disney Springs. And Disneyland got involved by having Brandy, who is known as a, as one of the many live action Cinderella's that we have depicted on Disney Plus. And she sort of kicked off celebrations by singing a Disney song in Disneyland when the park was closed. And, and that is on YouTube if you'd like to watch it. Gosh, a lot happening in Walt Disney World. That is a lot. And it is not the only or last part that we have news from because there is also stuff going on at Disneyland Paris. So in very positive news, Disneyland Paris has taken a huge step towards improvement for accessibility as they introduce a new audio descriptions for blind guests using the Audio Spot app, which is very, very good news. And again, some news that's applicable to all Disney parks. They are all preparing for Disney Plus Day, which is happening next week on the 8th of September, which is very, very exciting. So we can expect to see things like early entry at Walt Disney World and limited snacks at Disneyland Paris. And I'm sure there will be a lot more as well. And some really, really negative news this morning. Uh, Eurostar have actually stopped direct routes to Disneyland Paris. Now, this is not a temporary thing. This is a thing for the foreseeable future. So if you are planning to go to Disneyland Paris now via Eurostar, you will have to take the, the train to Lille and then change there. It is quite a straightforward trip, but it's obviously not as easy as literally getting to the gates of Disney Town or Disney Village and then being able to stroll in from there. Yeah, it's really sad. Really sad. But let's pick things up a bit with some Disney Plus news to see us out. So Thor Love and Thunder is looking likely to debut on Disney Plus 
on Disney Plus Day, which I'm really excited about because I was tardy and did not get to the cinema in time to watch Thor Love and Thunder. So it looks like I can enjoy that one for free next week, which is awesome. And I will definitely be giving you a review review when I do. Some more really positive news. Another one for Disney Plus Day. We are, of course, super pumped at the Chat Disney podcast about the live action Pinocchio directed by Robert Zemeckis and starring Mr. Tom Hanks. And Disney have unveiled another trailer where we get a much better look at Pinocchio walking and talking around. And Tash has not seen this trailer yet so we're really excited and we're going to be giving you a live trailer reaction at the end of today's episode so please do stay tuned for that we've also heard that on disney plus day there's going to be a one-off special entitled obi-wan kenobi a jedi's return and it's going to be a little kind of documentary episode looking at the making the behind the scenes of obi-wan kenobi starring ewan mcgregor and hayden christensen I'm really excited. And as I say, that is also coming Disney Plus Day. A little bit of cheeky news from our friends at Disney Plus. They have removed Avatar from the streaming service. And this is in alignment with the fact that Avatar is having another theatrical release. So those of you who aren't familiar with this, it's so awful, to be honest with you. That's my opinion. I can't believe it's allowed to carry on. But Every now and again, Avatar will have a theatrical release again in the cinema and it's so that it can protect its ranking as the biggest box office grossing movie of all time. And Avatar are sort of at odds with the Avengers endgame for this and they do the same thing with Avengers every now and again. It will just come back into the cinema for no other reason than to retain its title. So that's what's happening with Avatar right now. And of course, you know, to get a little bit of traction before avatar 2 comes out but it means that you will not be able to watch avatar on disney plus for the foreseeable super cheeky but some new things are being added to the streaming service so if you live in the uk ireland or eu the greatest showman and spider-man into the spider-verse are coming to disney plus big big win and i mean it doesn't get you know more peak than this i'm really excited So for those of you in the UK, this is going to resonate. If you live in the US, probably not. Probably go Google it because I'm not sure I've got time to bring you up to speed. But Colleen Rooney has allegedly signed a deal with Disney Plus for a tell-all series around the whole Wagatha Christie disaster. I'm really excited about this. Obviously, Colleen Rooney has just been to court about this and won her case. So I definitely am here for a documentary. I'm imagining it to be like a hybrid of like the real housewives of the UK and then like a little bit of true crime sprinkled on it. I think it's going to be amazing and I'll definitely be watching. I mean, that's probably the most absurd thing I've ever shared on this podcast before, but there we are. And that is pretty much everything that's been happening in the world of Disney this week. We're now going to head into the main part of today's episode. From one absurd thing to another, we're going to be talking all about the most overrated Disney classics. Overrated Disney movies. So I actually found this list really, really hard to put together. And as a little disclaimer, we're not talking about our worst Disney movies. No, some of these movies we may even like, but we just think they are slightly overrated. But I did, I don't know about you, Mercedes, I found it really hard because 
I think most Disney films either are kind of looked upon as they should be in terms of that's a bad Disney film and it doesn't get any positive press. I'm thinking of things like Chicken Little, Home on the Range. And then there are those Disney films that, um, you know, most of them I think are just very, very good, strong movies. So actually finding films that are kind of looked upon with, you know, rose-tinted spectacles that people kind of like that shouldn't have the sort of positive press that they get is really difficult. Yeah, I think it is difficult. And I think that part of the problem is that you and I, in terms of our taste and like what kind of films resonate with us, we tend to go with the masses. So for example, you know, we both love Beauty and the Beast, which is one of the most celebrated Disney movies of all time. We both loved Frozen 2. And at the time it was, you know, the best ever animated box office release of, of all time. So I think we tend to agree with the fans and masses. So you're right, like finding a movie that we think is overhyped, overrated, that we're not that obsessed with is quite difficult. When Encanto came out, I don't know about you, but I was obsessed. So I think that's what's difficult. You know, if we had slightly different film taste and Chicken Little was our favourite movie of all time, then putting this list together would have been really easy. But no, it was a real struggle. And yeah, I'm glad you put that disclaimer out there. I don't want anyone coming for us. I don't want any hate. We're not saying these are bad films. Quite the contrary. These are films that, for the best part, are probably really good Disney films because they're celebrated, because they're loved. But we think that they maybe get a little bit more love than they deserve. Yes, absolutely. So let's get straight into it. So Mercedes, why don't you kick us off today? Okay, cool. So I've put them into like a rough order, but as we always say, you know, catch me tomorrow. The order's probably all over the place. Hey, I've probably got five different films. So we're going to be doing top 10 in total, five each. And for my fifth pick, so the one that I guess I don't think is, I've kind of released it in terms of, well, the way I'm, I'm doing the list is like the least overrated to the most overrated. That's kind of how I'm doing it. So for number five, and I've gone a bit rogue here because it is live action but I've gone for the live action version of Cinderella now picture this I am a huge fan of Kenneth Branagh studied English lit at uni love me a good old Shakespeare play fantastic Shakespearean actor directed the first Thor movie big big fan right and then, of course, pair that with the fact that I am obsessed with Game of Thrones and by further extension, Richard Madden, everything he's ever done, I'm obsessed with. And then you've got the beautiful Lily James, who, again, just can do no wrong in my eyes. So when I heard that these three were coming together to create this amazing, you know, spectacle that is the live action Cinderella, I was so, so excited. Plus, you've got you know, Helena Bonham Carter in that ridiculous fairy godmother character, which is just hilarious. And Helena Bonham Carter at her finest. There are so many positive elements about this movie. And it was such a win for me. I really landed. I really enjoyed it. But that said, this is a movie that I do think is overrated. And I think it's actually overrated, not so much within the Disney community, but kind of outside. So people that Oh my goodness. I feel really awful saying this, but I feel like if you fall into this category, you're definitely not listening to chat Disney. So I think we're in a safe space to say this, but you're fair weather Disney fans, you're people who, you know, dip their toe in and out, 
they take their kids to Disney and they put one of them in like, you know, a Daffy Duck shirt because they're just not quite clued up. That Those kind of people. So I, I do love this Cinderella and I don't want to give it any hate because I think it's a really great film, but I do think it just got a little bit too much attention. The costumes I think are amazing and I love that it won an Oscar for best costume. Do I think it's the best portrayal of Cinderella that I've ever seen by Lily James? No. Do I think the music is the best music I've ever heard in a live action? Definitely not. It just, for me, was, you know, a Sunday afternoon, you've had a roast dinner, the kids have had a bubble bath, they're getting ready for school, and you're like, oh, should we put a movie on? Like, it's it's that kind of vibe. It's quite a sleepy, lazy film to me. So I'm shocked that so many people that I speak to who I say, aren't these big Disney devotees are like, oh my God, I love that live action Cinderella. Isn't it brilliant? And that always takes me by surprise. So I do think for whatever reason, it's a little bit overrated. Yeah, I would agree with that. Again, I I do really like this movie. I think it, I actually do quite enjoy it. And I I am a huge, huge fan of of those three and especially Lily James. I absolutely love her. Um, But yeah, for me, it's, yeah, I completely agree with what you're saying. It's, you know, you put it on in the background. It is very much a lazy sort of afternoon film, I would say. You know, I'd stick it on sort of in the winter after a roast dinner or something. Um, but yeah, I, I do think it does get a bit more love than it deserves. So yeah, I think it's a great one to have for this list. There we are. Tash, And let us know what you've got. I'm, I'm very uh, excited to hear your fifth pick. So mine are in no particular order. Um, unfortunately, I found it too difficult to, to place them. But, you know, you've inspired me with your live action. So, hey, I'm going to kick us off with a live action one as well. And I think this one probably is quite controversial, but it is the live action Beauty and the Beast. Now, I really do like this movie. I went to the cinema to see it three times. Like, I love this film. But again, it's it's kind of similar to what you were saying about Cinderella. I think the kind of fair weather... Disney fans take it almost as like the holy grail of live action remakes. And I've even had people say that they think it's better than the animation, which is just absolutely rubbish. Um, But I do think that there are some questionable moments in that movie. I think Emma Watson is not the strongest choice for Belle. And I do love Emma Watson, don't get me wrong. And I just think that Again, you know, with Beauty and the Beast, it's such an iconic classic movie. It is our favourite Disney film, if we're honest, here on the Chat Disney podcast. And I think that it had so much to live up to. And for me, there's just a lot of moments that that don't quite hit the mark. That said, it is still a great movie. And I think that, it, you know, it is, it is one in terms of live action. It's probably one of the better ones. But I just think that there are people that kind of, how to explain? I think there are people that kind of look at it as just because it's Beauty and the Beast and automatically they're like, yep, it was amazing. It was fantastic. Beauty and the Beast, you know, it can do no wrong. Whereas I think actually when you start to look at elements of it and pick it apart, it does fall down a little bit. I completely agree. And this is a really interesting one because I would say in the Disney community, so you guys listening, this movie's probably not that overrated. I think we all see it for what it is. It's kind of a, you know, it's a commonplace 
thought that we all have that Emma Watson's auto-tune, for example, is awful and that she probably wasn't the right choice. And, you know, why is Ewan McGregor putting on this semi-borderline offensive French accent? Why couldn't they have just cast a French actor? I think that those kind of thoughts are shared amongst the Disney community. You're right, Tash. It's Again, it's these kind of outsiders. And what I find really interesting is like, I'll chat to people and they'll say like, oh yeah, no, we've shown our little girl Beauty and the Beast. And then I find out that they've shown them like the live action. It's And as you say, it's almost like it's replaced. They're like, oh yeah, the new one. Like, oh, the old one's old hat now. And it's like, no, don't deny children the opportunity to experience that 1991 classic. Because for me, they, they are uncomparable. And it's really weird, actually. It's very normal for me, especially when I think about Pixar films, to go to the cinema, watch a new Disney movie or whatever it is, live action Pixar, whatever, and be like, oh, okay, it was all right. Then get home, watch it again and be like, oh, okay, no, I'm actually obsessed with this. That's very normal for me and it happens a lot. I've never had it the other way around, apart from this live action Beauty and the Beast. I went to see this at the cinema at like 10 p.m. the day it came out because I was going skiing for a week and I was like, I have to see it before I go. And I had work that day. So anyway, I went, watched it, was absolutely obsessed. I laughed out loud at moments. I cried. It was, you know, a real emotional roller coaster, and it, it had me, right? I didn't even notice Emma Watson's auto-tune. But as soon as I got it on Blu-ray and watched it at home, I, those cracks started to appear. And I think... I was almost swept up in the magic and the spectacle of seeing, you know, my favorite Disney movie all over again with fresh eyes that once I had seen it, I was like, mm. and there are some amazing performances. I really, again, I'm with you. I love this film. I love Luke Evans in it. I love Josh Gad. But for me, the bad just slightly kind of makes that not matter. And to your point, we're not saying this is a bad film. We're just saying it's overrated and I really think, I think when it comes to all of the live actions, this is the most overrated. I think you win when it comes to live actions for your choice. Cool. Yeah, no, I'm very glad that you agree on that one. So what have you got next for us? So I am going in a completely different vein now. Uh, the next one on my list in terms of, yeah, as I say, try to go from least overrated to most. So I think this one's a little bit more overrated than the live action Cinderella. I have gone for a classic golden era Disney movie and I have gone for Bambi. So Bambi is a movie that we know was, you know, released in the 40s a bit two world wars, you know, straddling at either side. So we know that animation was an industry that was really impacted by this and therefore the movie is quite short. And the same with Dumbo as well. These two movies are both quite short films. And I feel that Bambi really does fall casualty because of that. It's such a short movie that not very much happens. We we kind of understand, you know, the whole birds and the bees, puberty. We spoke about this actually the other day on the podcast. I can't remember the exact context. I think perhaps you had it as the worst soundtrack. I'm not sure. I can't remember. But anyway, it doesn't really matter. The point is, he's born, you know, we learn about babies, mothers, whatever. His mother tragically dies. Then we have this huge time jump where he's suddenly an adult male and we're learning about Twitter painting, which again is kind of just the birds and the bees. He falls in love, he fights a bear. That's the end. 
that is literally the story of Bambi. It's a it's a coming of age story, but it's it's so condensed, it's so short. And so that's kind of my fault with Bambi. I still love the character. I think it's a really sweet movie. Again, it's one that I'm going to put on a lazy Sunday bank holiday weekend in the UK as we're recording this. Maybe I'll stick it on this afternoon while I want to nap. You know, it's that kind of vibe for me. But what's really odd is Bambi is a movie that's spoken about in pop culture the whole time. I'm thinking about things like Scream when they say, I'm talking about the remake of Scream with Emma Roberts and Hayden Panettiere, if anyone knows that movie. And they say to Hayden Panettiere's character, what's your scariest movie or your favourite scary movie? And she's like, Bambi. Like, it, it comes up a lot as this kind of classic movie. And again, oh, when Bambi's mum dies, oh, I'm so sad. It is sad, that one moment. But does that mean that the movie itself is like a standout classic? And when I look at the golden era of Disney, I'm comparing Bambi amidst the likes of, you know, Snow White, Dumbo that we've just mentioned, Fantasia even. Like, is Bambi better than those? I don't think so Yeah, I would say that, again, if you ask the population people would pick it as their favorite. I feel like people have a real soft spot for Bambi. There's Bambi merchandise everywhere. I went into Primark the other day, which is like a cheap kind of budget shop that we have in the UK and EU. And I was in the home department, which just so happens to be next to, um, well, I, I don't know what this department is. There's like a Disney department now, like next to the menswear. And they had all these like baby things there. Like they had some plushies and stuff. And it was all Bambi. They had Bambi bento boxes, Bambi drinks bottles. And I'm like, who is buying this stuff? I remember when my sister was a baby, it was like you had two choices when it came to baby grows. It was Bambi or Winnie the Pooh. Like that, that was it. And I get that Bambi is like a cute baby character. So that's probably why they're sticking him on baby stuff. And it's like woodland creatures, whatever. But yeah, I see Bambi everywhere I go. And for such a mediocre film, I definitely think Bambi gets too much love and attention. I totally agree with this. I actually don't even like the film Bambi at all. I think I rewatched it either last year or the year before and hadn't seen it for years prior to that. And remember sitting there thinking like god this is such a dull film like literally as you say nothing happens in that movie it's definitely overrated i think it is because of that iconic moment where bambi's mother does die i am someone that probably cries more at animated films than i do live action movies and i don't even find that bit that sad i mean it is sad but it doesn't make me cry in the same way that you know, Mufasa's death does make me cry or Dumbo when he's sitting in his mum's trunk when she's locked away. And yeah, I it is, it's mentioned in loads of different films, particularly that moment as being like the saddest moment of Disney, of any Disney movie. And yeah, I think it is massively overrated. You really tickled me there when you said Dumbo sitting in his mum's trunk. I don't know why, but I just imagined like a like a trunk, like a yeah, a car, or even just like not even a car, like you know that trunk. When I think of a trunk, I think of like Edgar and the Aristocats when he puts the kittens in a trunk. I was just about to say that. <laughs> yeah, I just it made me laugh sitting in his mum's trunk. I do challenge you though, and we're gonna we're gonna do this. We always say we're gonna do this, and we never do it. But we are women of our word. We're gonna do it. 
I'm going to go back and watch every sad dog moment in a Disney film. And I suspect that if you watched Bambi again, now that you've had Theo, that scene, a, a mother and son, he's a little boy dear as well. I wonder if it maybe would pull at the heartstrings a little bit more. Maybe it would. I'll keep you posted. Yeah. Okay. We'll do it. I'll watch Fox and the Hound and you can watch Bambi. It's <laughs> like a deal. Okay. So Tash, I'm curious, what have you got as your fourth most overrated Disney film? So I've got another one here that I think, again, I like it. It's not my favorite Disney movie, but it's another one that is regarded very highly out of the Disney community and it is frozen and again like I say controversial it's massive when I lived in China all anyone ever spoke about at my place of work which was uh, like a kindergarten was frozen there were kids there that had decided their English name was going to be Elsa because they were so obsessed with frozen they would always want me to play the songs they were just absolutely obsessed with it and when you would go to Shanghai Disney you would see people in Elsa merchandise everywhere you would literally in the parade when Elsa and Anna came along on their flow there would be people adults there screaming for Elsa and Anna like proper fangirling and I think that you know there are some nice messages in the movie I love the characters I really love Anna she's one of my favorites I love Olaf I don't really resonate with Elsa so much. I don't know what it is, but we have spoken about this on this podcast before. I do think she's quite, pardon the pun, but she's quite a cold character, so I don't warm towards her. She does improve slightly in Frozen 2, I think. Um, But yeah, I think she as a character definitely is overrated. And then I think that, you know, the message of the sisters and that being sort of the true love of the story, love that very much. But apart from that, I think it's quite a boring movie. Again, I remember watching it with my niece, who I think she was about four at the time. And she loves it now that she's a couple of years older. But at the time when I watched it with her, she kept asking me to skip this because they were boring. And I kind of can't help but agree. A lot of the moments, I think, when they're just sort of down in, in the village, sort of, you know, wondering what to do, are quite dull. I think the trolls are, I think they were a big miss for me, those trolls. I really don't know what Disney were trying to do when they created those characters. So, yeah, I think that it gets so much hype. I mean, when we went to Disneyland Paris in 2020 and they had the Frozen celebration or whatever, I mean, it seems like, I know that it is big and it's a huge moneymaker for Disney, but... It just seems to kind of give it that much kind of spotlight in the park on its own. Just seemed a bit OTT to me. They had that Frozen show, which was not very good. And yeah, I just think that it is very, very overrated. I think it has got a great soundtrack. Let It Go, I'm sorry, Mercedes, is severely overplayed and an overrated song. And I do think a lot of the Disney community do agree with this as well. Again, it's kind of the more fair weather Disney fans, I think, that kind of place Frozen higher than it should be. Okay, I really disagree on this, but in a weird, it's very difficult for me to articulate. I think it's quite normal to think that Frozen's overrated. And for that reason, that makes it not overrated. Like, I think everyone, if you asked anyone, name an overrated Disney movie, everyone's going to go, oh, Frozen. Is it overrated or was it a cultural reset that deserves the attention it gets? You know, everyone went gaga for 
the little uh, the little mermaid when it came out or beauty and the beast we don't remember that because we were one but i imagine you know i remember having beauty and the beast bubble bath beauty and the beast lunchbox i remember all of that but i was a kid so you know i just kind of went with the flow i think that frozen is very well rated or well regarded is it over rated over regarded I don't think so. I think that it's become quite popular in the Disney community, you know, on, and I'm talking about on Twitter and, and social media to go, oh, I don't know why everyone loves Frozen so much. Tangled is the superior movie. It's okay for those two films to coexist and both be great. And if Frozen's the one that sold more merchandise because it's got two princesses rather than one, because let's be honest, Disney were smart when they did that, then that's kind of fine. I don't have a problem with it. I think it's from a character perspective. I love things. And this is just across the board. I love things that it's about character development. So Stranger Things and Game of Thrones, two of my most favorite TV shows and not Disney, but I have a point. Do I love Stranger Things because I'm really into Dungeons and Dragons and the supernatural and demigorgons? Not at all. It's because I love those characters and I love seeing their dynamic and I love seeing their relationships change and their personalities change as they encounter different situations. Same with Game of Thrones. Am I really into medieval politics? Am I really into, you know, beheading and the supernatural beyond the wall? Absolutely not. I'm into really well-developed, really well-considered characters. And I think that that is what, and I'm not saying that the character development in Frozen is the same as Game of Thrones or Stranger Things. Of course not. But that's what I love about Frozen. I love Kristoff, Sven, even Prince Hans is probably one of the best Disney villains we've had for a while. Anna Elsa, because the characters are so rich and so fully formed, it means that when Frozen Fever pops on TV or Frozen 2 or whatever, I'm engaged because I want to see more of Christoph. I want to see more of Anna. I want to see more of Elsa. So to your initial point, I think that a lot of people listening to this episode will be on Camp Tash, in Camp Tash, on Camp Tash. They'll be in your camp and they'll be like, yeah, of course, Frozen's overrated. Like, of course, but I think that it is the right level of rated. See, I, I agree with you. I think that, again, it's that very Disney community versus the fair weather Disney fans here that I'm kind of talking about. And I think outside of the Disney community, it is overrated. I think that people are just like, oh, Friends is amazing. Friends is fantastic. Blah, 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 blah. And it's almost like that's because that's what they've been led to believe. Yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. There's like definitely, yeah, I feel like in the Disney community, it's probably underrated. I feel like everyone hates it. But there we are. I will champion Frozen till the end. <laughs> so that is a very good choice. Right, I'm moving on to my third sort of bronze medal underrated movie now. And actually, this leads on very, very nicely from Frozen because I've got Moana. Now, Moana is absolutely not as hyped and, you know, widely visible as the Frozen franchise, but for the amount of hype and visibility that it gets and the actual movie, I think these two things could not be more disconnected. I really don't like 
Moana as a film at all. I actually tried to watch it again the other day to give it the benefit of the doubt because I know that a lot of people really do like it. And and more to the point, a lot of children that I know really like it. So I'm like, if kids like this, it's obviously doing something right. I still can't get on board with it. Despite the Lin-Manuel Miranda soundtrack, you know, despite characters like Pua, and that's where that list ends because he's actually the only character I like. I just don't, I, I really don't like this film. And I'm so shocked that it resonates so much with kids nowadays. And Tash, I know you've got two nieces, well, one niece that's probably old enough to, to watch, the other one probably isn't actually, but I'd be interested to know if she likes it because all of the children that I know are obsessed with it. And I, I, I genuinely don't understand. I don't think, I think How Far I'll Go is probably the weakest, you know, that's your big part of your world let it go that's your empowerment song and I think it's so I really don't like it I, I just I, I the thing is with this one I'm really biased because we said we weren't going to let our personal preference influence our list you know as, as much as we could but this is for me all about personal preference because I don't like this film and it performed really well and most people really enjoy it and those two things don't add up for me. I think it's got probably some of my most irritating Disney characters of all time. I don't like Maui. I find him really annoying. I don't like Hey Hey the Chicken. I find him really annoying. The Cookamora people drive me insane. Like to your point, Tash, about the trolls in Frozen, my skeptical side when I watched Frozen for the first time was like, is this Disney's answer to the Despicable Me minions? Like, I think probably... And I kind of felt the same about the Cookamora people. I was like, are you just trying to create these cute en masse characters that you can stamp all over merchandise and throw into Disney parks? And it kind of felt that way to me. So yeah, I'm going to stop talking now because I feel like this is a really difficult one because I am letting my bias impact my thought, but I just, I don't understand how this movie is as popular as it is. Yeah, I would agree with that one. And again, it does feel like it's very much like an adult versus children's favourite, this one. Because I think that a lot of adults that I've speaking, spoken to will give or take it. Um, but then, as you say, children seem to absolutely love it. I don't actually think my niece has, has seen this one. But again, that, you know, speaks volumes to to me. You know, it's not one that she's like necessarily drawn to. Um I do like the soundtrack, but again, I don't think it's Lynn's finest work. And I think that, yeah, the character of Moana is just a bit boring for me. Um, I guess it's good having like kind of a younger female role model for, for children to relate to. And again, there's no hint of romance in that movie, which I like. But yeah, I think as Disney movies go, it does get a lot of hype, especially with children. And I don't really understand why. No, and it does do some amazing things. I mean, you've just hit upon the point that they actually cast a young actress in the role of Moana. You know, it's not a 30-year-old pretending to be 16, which I think is really positive. Obviously, from a DNI perspective, the diversity of having another type of, you know, ethnic background and not just white Caucasian living in Europe or living in the States, again, really great. But that does not do enough, to my mind, to make this a good film. And yeah, kids love it. So hey, each to their own. And maybe one day, you know, I'll, I'll see the light. But I've tried and tried with it. And I just can't, can't get on board with it. So Tash, what have you got in third place? 
So in third place, I have got a movie that we are going to be talking about again a bit later on in this episode. There's a massive clue for you. And it is Pinocchio. Now, again, this is a movie I'm not putting on there. I think this is going to be quite controversial because I hate it. It's not my favorite Disney movie. But I just think that there are quite a few people, actually, that I've spoken to that would put this in their top five of Disney movies. And I don't really understand why. I mean... The character of, of Pinocchio, again, I kind of give or take him. Like, I don't actually find him that appealing. I like the character of Jiminy Cricket. He's probably my favourite. Actually, he is my favourite in that movie. And I like the Blue Fairy. But apart from that, I find the whole film and the premise quite creepy. Obviously, it is not a Disney original. It is based on a classic fairy tale. But I do find it quite creepy. There's a lot of sinister moments in there, obviously. We've got... Honest John and Gideon, who are creepy in themselves. We've then got the whole kind of turning into donkeys storyline, which is just horrible. And I think, again, watching that now I have a child would probably hit me differently as well, because it is essentially about child abduction and child slavery. We've then got Monstro. There's just a lot of really scary moments in that movie. And the fact that a lot of adults, and again, I'm not, this is not judgmental. I'm not saying that you shouldn't. I watched it as a child. My son Theo will probably watch it at some point. But it just seems like a lot of weird adult content to be showing to children in a movie. But then it is very popular. And I don't really understand why I think that it needs to be picked apart a little bit more um, by everyone and by the Disney community. But I think people, you know, kind of see it as, as a classic. And obviously, you know, Jiminy Cricket is a classic, iconic character. When You Wish Upon a Star is kind of like the flagship Disney song, if you will. So I think that, you know, those two things, I think they kind of get the appreciation that they deserve. But apart from that, I think that, again, sometimes people look upon those two things and then kind of let that kind of overshadow the whole movie. You know, you think of those two things and you're like, oh, yeah, Pinocchio is great. But actually, when you look into it and pick it apart, is it? Yeah, I think it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I I like Pinocchio, but I agree I would never, you know, in no world would I have it in a top 10. And I, I also know a lot of people that absolutely would. I wonder if it's about being an outsider, because I think that this, this notion of wanting to be a real boy, wanting to be something other than what you are, I definitely know people that I think will relate to that, that idea of, you know, just wanting to be accepted. And actually, on that note, I I put this to you, Tash, I think the ending of Pinocchio would be more powerful if actually when the Blue Fairy showed up, he said, you know what, I don't want to be a real boy. I'm all right, thanks. I'm quite happy being me and being unique. Don't you think that would be a much better ending? I think that would be great. Do you know what? It really wouldn't surprise me if they actually do that for the live action. Oh my God. Okay. If if that happens, we called it here first. I think you could be right. Because isn't that what it's, you know, I'm thinking, and, and he won't mind me saying this, and I'm probably doing some sort of deep psychoanalysis on somebody here, and it's probably not even true. But I think about my really good friend, Dan, who has been on the podcast, recently got engaged to his lovely fiance, George, at Walt Disney World and shared his story with us, which was so lovely to hear. And for him growing up, he's obviously a huge Disney fan and his favorite Disney characters are Peter Pan and Pinocchio. And I wonder if there's something about that, you know, being a small LGBT child 
both Peter Pan and Pinocchio have this kind of eternal youth. And by not growing up, you don't have to deal with the realities of the world, which can be quite a horrible place. I definitely see that in Peter Pan. And, you know, we we call down Peter Pan sometimes because we say, you know, you're the boy that will never grow up. And I think that there's definitely an element of that with Peter Pan that he probably would acknowledge. I think for Pinocchio, it's a similar thing, this idea of like, just wanting to be like everyone else. I can imagine if you were a child who, for whatever reason, had anything about yourself that was different, you do just want to blend. All kids want to blend. You know, I've I've definitely said this to you when people come out and, you know, oh, what's your baby called? Oh, Rasputin, you know, Hercules, whatever. Like, don't call your kid that. All, all children want is to fit in and blend and be normal, quote unquote, whatever normal is. And I definitely get that vibe from Pinocchio. I think it's a story about like there's that I I I haven't read any like a thesis on this. Um, Bob, maybe this could be your next paper if you're listening. But there's probably some kind of I'm not explaining myself very well, but some kind of like psychographic like meaning to Pinocchio and why it draws certain people in. I would imagine, and yeah, as I say. That's my best guess for why it's so popular. And I definitely would like to see my <laughs> my philosophy extended further and see a different ending in the live action. Because why should Pinocchio be a real boy? Like he, I, th- I think that would be a much stronger message. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, let's watch this space. The, the new movie comes out soon. So uh, we don't have too long to wait. Indeed, a week or so. Very exciting. Cool. Okay. Well, I'm going to move on to my next pick. So my silver medal. And this is where we get really controversial and all the hate's going to come. And I apologize in advance, but I am going with a silver Disney movie for my silver place medal. See what I did there? And I have got the 1967 classic, The Jungle Book. I don't love the jungle book first of all let's just get that out into the air but I do totally appreciate why people like it I think the music in the jungle book is very very iconic I mean even Ollie Murs duetted with Robbie Williams one of the songs on the X Factor which was pretty wild so you know it's it's a soundtrack that stands the test of time and these characters Baloo King Louis Bagheera very iconic characters again this is an adaptation from the classic Rudyard Kipling book so i get all of that fine the jungle book however it gets so much love and i'm thinking about disney parks specifically here There is always a Jungle Book float in the parade. Even if it's not a Jungle Book float, they'll manage to like muscle in on somebody else. You know, you'll have Moana sailing by and then a couple of Jungle Book monkeys will be after the float. They try and shoehorn these characters into every single element of the parks. Honestly, I've seen so many like Jungle Book jams and like one-off shows and things at different Disney parks around the world. It's always in the fireworks. I'm thinking about Mickey's Mixed Magic in Disneyland in California. I'm the king of the swing. You know, if they can get that song. I don't think I've ever walked around Adventureland and not heard King Louie in the background. And honestly, if I had a pound for every time I saw Baloo or King Louie as a meet and greet character... I would be very, very wealthy, let's say that. So it's just, again, I don't know if this is something that 
exists outside of Disney parks. Like I'm thinking about merchandise and things like that. Like we, you know, we said about Bambi and how all kids departments seem to be plastered in Bambi merch. I don't think the Jungle Book is like that. Could be wrong. Tash, obviously you shop in baby shops now, so you can absolutely correct me if I'm wrong. But certainly in Disney parks, I feel like it's very difficult to escape the Jungle Book. And again, similarly to what you were saying with Pinocchio, Tash, I know for a fact that if I asked my family members to pick out, you know, their favorite five Disney movies, the Jungle Book would appear quite highly on lots of their lists. Yeah, I would agree with that one as well. I think the Jungle Book, I always think of it as if you ask a Disney fan, I don't, I think it gets kind of overlooked. But I think when you ask again, that we're talking a lot about those fair weather Disney fans today, a lot of them seem to have it in their top five for whatever reason. And I think when you look at the Jungle Book kind of as a whole, it's kind of iconic. But when I think you look at kind of the characters on an individual basis, not so much, I would say. Um, so yeah, it is. It does seem to have quite a strong presence still, and I, I don't. I'm not a massive fan of the storyline. And again, I feel like this probably is one of the more controversial ones on this list because it is an iconic movie and it comes from quite an iconic story. But yeah, for me, it just it just falls down. I don't know how much the live action is regarded in in the Disney community and outside of the Disney community. But again, that was just a, a travesty of a movie, I, I think. So if anyone is rating that highly, then yeah, let's throw that one in with this animated classic. Yeah, I mean, that's just a terrible, terrible movie. I think it's probably the worst. Mm, actually, I can think of one that's worse. But yeah, it's one of the worst live actions. Interesting, actually, to my suspicion about this being a, an issue that's not just Disney Park wide, the live action confirms it. If we look at the other live actions that have been made, you know, they're all Renaissance, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Mulan, Lion King. We're getting The Little Mermaid very soon. And then the Jungle Book, Cinderella is obviously the classic princess. So we'll let that one slide. But yeah, the fact that Jungle Book was remade is, is living proof that this is one of the most popular Disney movies and, you know, that it has a big audience. So I remember going to see the live action, actually, and I, I actually quite enjoyed it in the cinema. I was quite shocked, but I think that's because I had such low expectations because I'm not a big fan of the original. But yeah, again, it's one of these films that I've watched it a second and a third time and it, it's not, not for me. So Tash, I'm curious, what do you have as your second most overrated Disney film? So again, another controversial one coming up. And this is a movie that I actually don't really like. And I think that's where the controversy lies. And it is Peter Pan. And I know we've already spoken about it a little bit this morning. But for me, I just don't like that movie. So I'm trying not to let that kind of cloud my judgment here. But I do think that it is, again, it's very popular. We have the Peter Pan ride, Peter Pan and Wendy, they're always in the parade. We have Tinkerbell sort of around the parks. And again, she's very much like a flagship character, I feel, when it comes to the Disney parks. And I do quite like Tinkerbell, but she's the only character that I like from that movie. I think that Wendy is annoying. Peter Pan, don't even get me started. Cannot really stand him as a character. I mean, yeah, I completely understand what you were saying about that whole kind of need for kind of holding on to childhood. And I think that side is is nice and lovely. But as a character, he's annoying and he's obnoxious. And I don't understand why so many kids like want to do a meet and greet with him. It's just completely beyond me. Wendy is boring. 
Tinkerbell, yeah, I like her, but she's definitely got a sassy attitude. I think that's her appeal, though. I like Hook. I think that he is a great kind of comedy pantomime villain. Um, but then the rest of the cast, you know, the other kids, the Lost Boys, I very much give or take them. Apart from Second Star to the right, a lot of the songs in it really kind of fall down for me. I'm not listening to them outside of, of the movie. I think I even had it in my worst soundtracks when we spoke about that a couple of weeks ago. I just think that for me, this movie is, you know, it's looked upon as being iconic. And again, based on a very iconic, iconic original story from Jay and Barry, there's tons and tons of different versions of it. And I just don't think it's as good as people make out. Interesting. So I want to unpick this a little bit. First of all, do I think that it is overrated, like getting my feelings out of the way? I actually don't. I think it's appropriately rated. And let me throw this to you. So I think the reason it's so visible, this is like such a read and I feel really awful saying this, but I think the reason it's so visible in the Disney parks is because the Disney parks, unfortunately, are quite frozen in time. And if you think about Disneyland in California, especially, which is the most frozen, if we're completely honest, frozen as in stuck in time, not frozen as in the movie. That part came out in 1955 and there wasn't that much material to work with. So like Peter Pan's flight was an opening day attraction. I don't think if that park was opening now that Peter Pan's flight would be, of course it wouldn't. It would be, you know, Elsa's journey up the North Mountain or, you know, the Little Mermaid seas with Ariel and friends or whatever. It wouldn't be, of course, you wouldn't propose a Peter Pan dark ride now as as your flagship fantasy land attraction. But as I say, times were hard there wasn't that much source material and because it's an opening day attraction oh it's original it's classic wall it hasn't gone anywhere the tinkerbell thing is an interesting one but again like tinkerbell i 100 percent agree with you is like the mascot of the parks you always see her you know above the disneyland hotel in paris and she's on top of the castle and she's flying around in the parade and whatever But again, I think this is a legacy thing because the other character that is really synonymous for me with Walt Disney World, who always used to narrate the fireworks and, you know, whatever, was Jiminy Cricket. And again, like what other sidekicks were there back then? We, You know, it was slim picking. So I think the reason, and maybe this is true with the Jungle Book as well, when we think about, you know, Jungle Book came out in 1967 and Walt Disney World opened in 71, and, and you see it with Disneyland Paris, right? We've got a whole Aladdin area because Aladdin was the newest film at that time. So I'm wondering with the parks, if it's more around, they didn't have very much to work with. So that kind of, I guess, answers that. Outside of the parks, really interesting one. So from my perspective, Peter Pan's huge, but I've always thought it's because of the J.M. Barry, like Great Ormond Street links with us in the UK. You know, this Scottish writer came to London, wrote this fantastical story. I don't actually know if Peter Pan is big outside of the UK. I know that Kath Kitston, which is a British brand, did like a huge Peter Pan collab recently. So it definitely is visible in the public eye over here. But I don't, I actually don't know if that's the case worldwide. I feel like we do get it rammed down our throat here. Also like pantomime, like how many Peter Pan pantomimes have we seen over the years? It, it does seem to be in the same way that Winnie the Pooh is this kind of like 
British icon. Peter Pan is very much like chucked into that bag. But yeah, they're kind of my thoughts. I guess on everything I've just said, it is pretty overrated. I've just given many examples for why its visibility is everywhere. So I've just kind of talked myself into agreeing with you. But the other thing I would say as well, in terms of like, why do people love it? I think there's that element of the whole like growing up childhood thing. I'm actually not that into Peter Pan, by the way. I can give or take it, but I just want to see both sides of the argument, really, because I just find it interesting. I think for me, it's very much in the same camp as like The Wizard of Oz. It's this kind of quest story. And there's something for everyone, whether you're into pirates, fairies, you know, lost boys, Native Americans, mermaids. I think that's maybe one of the reasons that kids like it as well, because you kind of, you know, I like things where, you meet different people. And as I say, it reminds me of Dorothy meeting the Scarecrow and the Munchkins and the Tin Man. It's like this kind of, it's almost like a platform video game where you've got these different levels of people that you're going to encounter. So anyway, I've just gone off on probably the biggest tangent ever. But yeah, I think I do agree with you. I do think that Peter Pan is very visible. But do I think it's overrated? I still, mm, I'm, I don't know. I'm on the fence. I'm on the fence. Yeah, see, I think having that many characters, it doesn't allow for character development as much. Like I'd much rather them kind of like just have the pirates and really get to know them or just have the mermaids. Obviously you need the pirates, but you know what I mean? I would rather just kind of have one additional extra group that we could kind of get to know a little bit more than having like all these groups sort of dotted around throughout the film um but yeah let's leave that one there so Mercedes what is your final choice today hey I'm going big and I don't think anyone is going to be surprised by what I've got as the most overrated Disney movie and before I reveal this one that you definitely all know what it is I do really like this film and I do understand why people like it And without further ado, I have got in the top spot the most overrated Disney movie of all time, The Lion King. Now, I appreciate that this movie is a great movie. I think it has a really strong soundtrack. Tash picked it as one of her best soundtracks of all time. And I think I even said, you know, we couldn't have a list of best Disney soundtracks without The Lion King being on the list. It's Elton John, Tim Rice. It's absolutely amazing. I mean, if you really want to pick it apart, I would probably say that The Lion King 2, Simba's Pride, has actually got some stronger songs, which is very controversial. But whatever. Every single song on this list is a banger as well. There's not one bad song in The Lion King. And even the instrumental bits, the Hans Zimmer, I mean, I would actually say that's probably stronger than even some of the songs. It's so iconic, that music. You know, I'm picturing that Remember Who You Are music. That da-da-da and the da-da-da-da-da-da. You know, I could probably recite the whole thing. I love this film. I watched it a lot when I was a kid. I think it's got some great characters. You've got Timon and Pumbaa in there for comic relief. You've got Zazu in that kind of Sebastian-esque character where he's very militant and law-abiding and very frustrated with naughty Simba and Nala. Mufasa's a fantastic father. We've got Sarabi. You know, we've got two living parents for part of the movie, which is quite rare for a Disney film. This movie's got so much going for it. And I do think it's a great Disney movie. I really, really do. But that doesn't mean it's not overrated. And I think it is. And I think it's fair. Sure, we'll we'll say Frozen is overrated for the purposes of this. For me, it's kind of another Frozen where it's really overrated, but it's really good. 
So maybe it is appropriately rated, but I do find it wild that this movie is 30 years old and still you cannot escape it. If you walk into any store that sells kids stuff, you're going to find Lion King merchandise. You're going to find Simba plushies. You know, I know so many people whose dogs are called Nala or, you know, we have a really good friend who had two bunny rabbits called Simba and Nala. And so well as Pug is Nala and wait, don't you have a cat called Nala, Tash? You're part of this camp as well. And I'm like, it's 30 years and it just won't go. Like everyone is still hooked. And Disney parks as well, always, always in the parade, always in the parade, normally with their Jungle Book friends, always in the fireworks, <laughs> always. You're going to get, I just can't wait to be king. Do you know what? I actually am not averse to that. Shake it up a bit, have all the lights go out, have one solo firework and just play jo- James Earl Jones over the top of it going, remember who you are. That would be powerful. But no, it's always some big carnival of chaos. Lion King, just can't wait to be king. We see it in Philhar Magic. And I said, how many Jungle Book jams have you seen? How many Festival of the Lion Kings have you seen? Because I've lost count. I have seen some kind of acrobatic Lion King show, I think, at every single Disney park. And don't even get me started on the musical. I think the musical has heightened the love that this film gets. I mean, everyone is obsessed with The Lion King. The musical is still on Broadway. It's still in West End. I don't think it's that strong. I've seen it twice. And I genuinely think the opening is the best bit. And then it just falls flat after that. So it's a really interesting one for me because, as I say, it's kind of in a similar vein to Frozen that... It is a great movie. So does it deserve, you know, the hype that it gets and the visibility that it gets on merch and in parks and everywhere else around the world? I personally don't think so. And I think the icing on top of the cake for this one, for me, and we say, you know, we've said a lot today on this episode, oh, if you're not a Disney fan, this is Grumpy's favourite Disney movie. And I think that is the conversation closure on this one. It's for, it's, it's it's accessible. You don't have to like Disney movies to like this. It's got a bit of humour, a bit of colour, a bit of comedy, a bit of death. You know, that successful ending. It's Macbeth, right? It's a classic Shakespeare story. Of course it works. So I just, it's it's a good film, Is it like, you know, the greatest Disney movie of all time? I don't think so. Yeah, I do disagree with you. I think it is appropriately regarded by the world. I do think it is a fantastic movie. That soundtrack, the characters, it's got everything. There's a reason that it's popular with people who don't even like Disney. And I think it is very highly regarded for a reason I think it's very very appropriately placed there's a reason that it was you know the longest animated seller at the box office whatever it is for for a time and I think that is quite right considering how good that movie is you did touch upon something there that does really irk me about the poor the parks and going off on the tangent here but I hate the way they always lumber those characters together with the Lion King characters I feel like this maybe leading on to another episode where we do an episode about things that annoy us about Disney parks or something. But yeah, that is something that always gets me just because they're, you know, jungle or not even jungle. They're like jungle and desert, not desert. What is it? Like the Sahara. Like why do they always come come together? It's beyond me. It annoys yeah. me. 
it's different continents. Like it's actually really quite offensive, really. I mean, Mowgli and Simba live on completely different continents, but they always do it. Like it's just, and they, do you know who else they put together? But I'll accept this because they do live in the same country. Winnie the Pooh and Alice, they're always together as well. Yeah, I know. Why? Like I would prefer things to be done with like clear cut lines more. I think it makes it messy. Yeah, I do as well. Like, does Alice know that Winnie the Pooh is like a stuffed animal? Like, is she friends with Christopher Robin? Does he live around the corner? Like, it starts to mesh all the worlds together. It does. It does indeed. So, yeah, that's the only one that I disagree with you on. I think it's appropriately placed because it is such a fantastic movie. So I'm going to go in with my final choice. And again, it's a movie that I don't like. And I think there are definitely arguments here that again it probably is appropriately placed because I think there's a lot of people that don't like this movie and again it's that whole kind of presence in the park thing and on merchandise but it is Alice in Wonderland I hate this film I used to like it when I was younger didn't watch it for years re-watched it last year and completely switched off from it it was awful to be honest with you that's what I thought of it but again we have it all the time in the parks we've got the rides we've got the mazes, which, you know, they decided to bring into Shanghai as well for whatever knows what reason. Again, they could have made it something much more modern. I'm drawing a mind blank here to give an example. But yeah, they could have made it something so much better. We've got Alice's Labyrinth. I think it is the same sort of thing in Disneyland Paris. You could very easily turn that into something else, I believe, and make it more of, of a quest. You could make it Moana themed. You could make it Frozen themed. I don't know. You could do anything with it. You could completely reskin it very easily. We see her on a lot of merchandise. Primark did a big range with Alice and Wonderland. Again, Kath Kitson have done uh, Kath Kitson with Alice range. And again, I think it's that thing. I think people honing on Alice as a character for some reason, maybe because she is so iconic, but then they neglect looking at the movie as a whole. And I think it's a terrible movie. Again, like you said, she's always with Winnie the Pooh in those parades why why i'm um, again classic iconic tale from lewis carroll i know there's lots of different versions of alice in wonderland lots of different stories to do with her but for me again i don't understand why we see her so much when the story is quite frankly terrible interesting there's a lot you've said there to unpack again i don't know if alice is overrated or if again poor old Walt was struggling with source material because again this is another one that had an opening day attraction at Disneyland the Mad Tea Party or the teacups depending on which park you're at that was a 1955 opening day attraction then of course we've got the Alice Dark Ride in California as well that doesn't excuse the fact that we've got such a big Alice in Wonderland presence in the other parks I mean I would say about 75% of Disneyland Paris's Fantasyland is Alice in Wonderland themed because you've got that huge teacup area with the big canopy. Then you've got the little cafe with the dormouse that pops up. You've got the thrones opposite that that's like a photo op. And then you've got the huge maze that also has the Queen of Hearts castle inside it. So there's a massive Alice in Wonderland presence in Disneyland Paris. What's really interesting with the Shanghai version is that it's not even classic Alice, it's the Tim Burton adaptation, which I that's even worse in my opinion. So I'm really surprised that they did that. But I'm wondering if it's the specific markets. I don't know. You know, I, I actually went to a Tim Burton exhibition when I was in Shanghai. Perhaps Tim Burton has a really big following in China. I don't know. I'm wondering again 
if I think your choices of Peter Pan and Alice are quite similar. I think because we're British, we do get J.M. Barry and Lewis Carroll kind of like forced down our throat along with A.A. Milne, like, oh, this great British author. And I do think that we get a hell of a lot of Alice stuff kind of served us. I think that you know, is she in parades and things? Yes, she's always available available for meet and greet. She's always at Epcot meet and greet. Like, it's never Mary Poppins. It's always Alice or Winnie the Pooh. I think, is it overrated? I, I think a lot of people don't like the film. But yeah, I think as a franchise, I would agree that it is an overrated one. I'm kind of balancing this out in my mind. It's a really interesting concept Alice in Wonderland and again it's very similar to Peter Pan this notion of kind of meeting different characters and to your point about not having enough time with each character for it to really develop I would agree because it's very frustrating to me when Peter Pan sort of leaves Mermaid Lagoon because I'd like to see more mermaids or you know when Alice leaves the Mad Hatter and the March Hare because I really like that scene I think I really like the aesthetic of Alice in Wonderland. Like if somebody was having an Alice in Wonderland themed party, like, I don't know, I'm not suggesting that this will ever happen. So I'll throw it out there. But like, imagine Theo's first birthday was a mad tea party. Tash just looked at me like she wanted to kill me. But let's just pretend for the purposes. I'd be quite excited about that because I'd imagine, you know, little eat me, drink me signs and topsy-turvy cakes and teapots and things. So I guess when I think about Alice in Wonderland, the aesthetic, I'm like, oh yeah, Alice in Wonderland. But you're right, when I think about the film and I think about that stupid dodo running around in a circle, and the walrus and the carpenter, I hate that scene. They eat all the baby oysters, Tweedledee and Tweedledum, that annoying caterpillar, the queen of hearts and how horrible she is to the king. Like, no, I don't enjoy that. But again, it's kind of one of those ones where the idea of it you're like oh whimsy and alice and tea and drink me and eat me but then like am i making any sense yeah total sense i i completely agree and i think that's why children do like it because it is a bit weird and wacky and it's colorful and bright and some big characters but yeah i think the older you get the worse it becomes there we go there you have it so our top pick alice in wonderland and the lion king I'm sure everyone listening at home will agree with you, Tash, and not with me. But do let us know, are you absolutely mortified that I think that The Lion King is overrated? Maybe you agree with me. I actually haven't met anyone who agrees with me on The Lion King. So if you are that one mystery person out there in the world, there has to be two of us, right? Please do let us know. You can write to us or send us a tweet at Twitter. No, not at Twitter, at, <laughs> well, on Twitter, at Chat Disney UK. Or you can find us on Instagram at Chat Disney. We're so, now going to head into the finals. <laughs> we both went there. We're now going to head into the final segment of the episode, our live trailer reaction. But what are you waiting for? I don't know. Something amazing, I guess. So, as we said in the beginning of the episode, they have recently released a brand new full trailer to Robert, Robert Zemeckis's live action Pinocchio, where we do apparently see a lot more of Pinocchio himself. So I am very excited to see this trailer. Mercedes has already seen it, but we have not discussed it yet. So here we go. 
Yes, I'm very excited. And if you want to see this one, it is just on YouTube. Get it loaded up, ready. You have been warned. Let's watch the trailer. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the eighth wonder of the world. The one and only Pinocchio is basically Pinocchio from the original. And all was real, boy. <laughs> Turn around, let me get a look at you. I will be right here when you get back. Pinocchio is running around loose without a conscience. Can you imagine the trouble he's going to get into? Wouldn't want that on my conscience. Everybody. So, honest, John and Gideon, Jiminy. I want to be real. Why on earth would you want to be real when you can be? He won't be a puppet anymore. That's for sure. Person, Pinocchio. Oh, what's happening, Jiminy? Looks like some sort of fairy magic. Kind of on the nose, if you ask me. Okay. Hmm. I actually am quite excited about this. Maybe because I don't really like the original. It seems that there's a bit more to this this live action remake, which, which is what they often do. Um. I'm excited to see how they do the whole Pleasure Island bit. It almost in that trailer looks very fantastical, almost like lots of lights. It looks a bit weird, almost like a dreamlike sequence, I feel. So I'm very excited to see how they do that. I'm not a big lover of the animation of Honest John and Gideon. I think it's a little bit jarring almost. Um yeah, I'm kind of just reflecting on the trailer. I quite like. Jiminy, I quite like that he's a little bit different from the original movie. I think Pinocchio is basically the live action version of that Pinocchio. Would I have liked to have seen them done something different with him? Maybe, just to kind of see what they would have done. Tom Hanks as Geppetto. I think that's been cast quite well, but I don't think we've seen enough in the trailer yet to get a full a full idea of how he's going to portray that. I don't know if it's going to be a good role or not. It's too hard to say. In my mind, he's been cast quite well, but I don't know if it's going to be a bit a bit too jokey. I don't know if I'm going to be able to take him seriously knowing that it's Tom Hanks. I don't know. What are your initial thoughts? 
I'm really excited about it. I think I probably like the classic more than you do. But again, it's it's still not a favorite of mine. I can, I can sort of take or leave it. But I'm really excited about this. I'm really glad that Pinocchio looks how he looks in the cartoon. And the reason I say that is because I've seen so many adaptations of Pinocchio over the years where he looks so creepy. And that familiar face kind of fills me with, you know, excitement. And I'm really excited about that. I'm not really into the way that Jiminy Cricket or Honest John or Gideon look. I do think they look quite creepy, but I think Pinocchio looks great. I think that Geppetto looks really good. I think Stromboli looks great as well. Like, I'm quite excited about those human characters. I think that the reason I'm a little bit on the fence about Tom Hanks is because the last time I saw him in a movie, it was the Elvis movie by Baz Luhrmann. And I hated his character in that and just the portrayal. And it was a horrible character, to be fair. But that's kind of made me a little bit more subjective about his casting as Geppetto in this movie. But I'm really excited for it. I'm really glad that it's going straight to Disney Plus on Disney Plus Day. So we can all watch it from the comfort of our own homes, which is great. And I know very controversial, Tash, because you are very pro cinema. But I'm not sure this is one that I would have gone to the cinema to see anyway. I probably would have just waited for it to come out on Disney Plus. So very, very convenient for me that it's coming out on Disney Plus. I'm really excited to see it. And it's interesting what we were talking about earlier in the main sort of bulk of today's episode, this idea of, you know, it would be quite nice if he stayed as a puppet. There's a line in the trailer that I didn't really pick up on before, but really sort of jumped out at me because we've just had that discussion where Geppetto said, you'll always be my real boy anyway or something, or you'll always be a real boy to me. And I'm wondering now if that is going to be the message because I feel like... Disney are much better at making sure the message of the movie is the correct one for children nowadays. You know, we've seen in Aladdin that Jasmine's had a song, Speechless, for the first time ever, which is very aptly named because she was speechless when it comes to songs in the original. And, you know, slightly changing the message of Cinderella to have courage and be kind. And, you know, Jasmine becomes the sultan as well, in addition to her just getting a song. So, it would be cool if the message was slightly tweaked here. And I I think that I actually really believe this is going to happen now. I think it's going to be, you know, well done, Pinocchio, on your quest. You you had good conscience and now you can become a real boy. And he'll be like, I'm good, thanks. I'm really happy. I really hope so too. And I think that I almost wish we hadn't had this discussion because I'm kind of expecting it now and I'm going to be really disappointed if that doesn't happen, whereas if we hadn't had this and I wasn't expecting it, it probably could have made the whole movie for me. So I don't know. We'll have to see. We will, of course, be doing a full review of the live action Pinocchio in a couple of weeks time. So do make sure you keep your eyes peeled for that. But yeah, I think the only other thing I want to kind of conclude with um, is that I hope that we see a little bit more from some of these more sinister characters, because I do kind of quite like something with a bit of a creepy undertone sometimes which I know doesn't make sense why I don't like the original Pinocchio but I think because it is animated and it's you know kind of goes so much back to my childhood whereas I think with the live action remake like with the Jungle Book they made that look so sinister and creepy in the trailer and so when it wasn't like that I was a little bit disappointed so I think with this I would almost like to kind of you know I'd like to see a little bit more of Stromboli and you know his backstory I'd like to see a little bit more of of Pleasure Island and sort of the dark side of that so who knows Yeah, I'm not getting creepy vibes from the trailer. I'm getting like storybook magic. 
from the trailer, I think it's going to be more of a spectacle than the original. And I think that they're going to really tap into, you know, this is one of Walt's classics and when you wish upon a star. And I think it's going to be a bit more whimsy than the original. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that as well. Cool. Well, we'll have to wait a couple of weeks to have that confirmed, but we will, of course, do a review, as Tash said, once it's released. But that is all for today from us. We will, of course, be back next Monday at the same time. And we're going to be talking all about our most underrated Disney films or our picks for the most underrated Disney films. So you just had overrated, but next week we're going to be a little bit more positive and talk about some of those movies that we don't think get enough enough love or attention bye for now see you then thank you goodbye now goodbye goodbye thank you goodbye